Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. This is the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free, masters. Do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that He who is both their Master and yours is in heaven, that there is no partiality with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for allowing us to gather in Your house, in Your presence with Your people, and and I, I thank You for the opportunity we get every week to open Your Word and hear from You, God. With all the chaos going on in the world and all the, the distrust uh, for the information that we're receiving, it is so good to know that we have one perfect thing in this world, and that is this book. We have one source of absolute truth in our lives, and that is Your Word, the Bible. And so I pray that Your Word would speak and Your Word would encourage and refresh and revive and convict and challenge this morning. I pray that You would do what only You can do, that You would guide my words to transform our lives by Your Spirit through Your Word today. God, I pray that You would heal our land. God, there is so much turmoil and division Frustration, corruption. I just pray that you would heal our land, that you would unify us as a nation, but that you'd revive us, that we'd repent and turn to you, that you would empower us as the church to go out and change the world that you've sent us to. I pray that we would see a great awakening in our land. I pray for our election. I pray that truth wins out. I pray for integrity in this election. Humility and Your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, today the title of uh, the sermon is called Children and Careers. And uh, the reason is because there's two little different passages that are that are in the text today, after uh, going over my notes uh, some more leading up to this day, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to the careers portion of it. I, you know, um, I, I've been known for the last many weeks to preach for an hour, an hour or more. <laughs> and I'm like, I've got to whittle that down. And so if uh, we get through the first portion of this um, uh, sermon, we'll be in good shape. If we get through the, the children and parents portion, We'll be in a pretty good place. But so today we're going to talk about parenting. I don't think this is something I've talked about before either. I've kind of been avoiding marriage and parenting. But here's how I feel about parenting. I have almost a four-year-old now, so that's practically a bachelor's degree in parenting, right? And people with bachelor's degrees can tell you some things. And so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
uh, we're here to teach what the Bible has to say about, um, about parenting and about children and um, Ephesians. What we've kind of seen is all this first part of the book uh, of Ephesians, we see that he's kind of drilling down what God is doing in you, how, what Christ has done for you and in you and transformed you from the inside out and brought you from death to life. And then he's working out how this plays out in different areas of our life. And we see in Ephesians 5, if we just go back a couple of verses, in verse uh, 18, where he says, um, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We spent a whole sermon on that. You can go online and, and find that, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he works out, how does that work itself out in your marriage and now in your parenting and then in your workplace? How does this being filled with the Spirit, verse 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this... This filling of the Spirit works its way out in living a life of mutual submission to others. And so a couple weeks ago we looked at marriage and uh, what it meant for marriage, the implications of marriage. And today we're going to look at children and parenting and we might get into your workplace, but probably not. But uh, the point is this, that... Um, God is working out bigger things, like there's, there's more going on than just what's going on. And we saw in marriage that, that it's, marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church. That Jesus is like the husband who loves his wife and sacrifices for her. And, 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 the, and the wife is like the church who, who respects and honors her husband. And it's this beautiful picture of the gospel. We see the same thing today with uh, parents and children. That children are this picture of the church that submits themselves to the Lord and the parents, especially he kind of points out the fathers here, is a picture of Jesus and the Father who, who cares for and loves His church. And so if you're in here today and you're like, great, I came on Parenting Week, I don't have kids, or my kids are grown, or whatever it is... Um, know that everything we're talking about can be also applied to our relationship with the Father. That the commands He gives to the children are also commands that He gives to us as His children and how we should relate to Him as Father. And then what He talks about uh, for his, the parents to do is also how He relates to us and how He works in our lives. So, here we are. We're going to jump in. And it's a pretty simple outline today. The first thing is, here, is this. Maybe you saw it in the text. Uh, children, obey your parents. Uh, look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, so children, obey your parents. That seems simple enough. And parents are like, yeah, where are my kids? I'm going to get them out of kids ministry right now. You're sitting in church today. Children, obey your parents. This is going to be online later. You can play it at dinner tonight. It's the right thing to do, he says. So it's the right thing to do. Obey here um, is, is a word really made up of two words of uh, under and uh, listen. It really means to listen under. It's a conscious listening. You ever had your mom say, listen to me. Just listen to me. No? Just, so listen to me. And what's she saying? What is she saying? She wants, she wants you to 
obey her. (laughs) She wants you to uh, do what she tells you to do. And that's what obedience is here. Listening consciously so that you can understand what it is that she's telling you to do or he's telling you to do. He says, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. So, uh, we are to obey our parents uh, as we would the Lord. So I'm not, not necessarily doing it because my parents are great. I'm doing it because the Lord is great. And I'm called to, to obey my parents as I would the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. And again, we're seeing this gospel thing play out in every aspect of our life. Likewise, though, to disobey your parents is to disobey the Lord. So... My mom used to say, delayed obedience is disobedience. You ever said that? Delayed obedience is disobedience. It's like, go take out the trash. Yeah, I'll get to it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, delayed obedience is, uh, is disobedience. It's like, we need to be quick to listen and obey our parents. Because if we disobey our parents... It's the equivalent of disobeying the Lord. Because He gave us this command. And, uh, and so in the same way as, as children of God, we're to be quick to obey the Lord. You ever had the Lord prompt you to do something? It's like, hey, I want you to go pray for that person. I don't know, Lord. I don't know. Can we have a conversation about this? It's like, no, go, like, obey. Like, go and do it. Also is this, to, so in the Lord, to obey your parents uh, is uh, preparation for submission to the Lord. So um, I'm learning something as a child. As I obey my parents. I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing in what it means to obey the Lord. And depending on the household you grew up with, if you were in one that didn't really require obedience and you found it very difficult now to obey the Lord... Because you were never taught that. It's preparation for submission to the Lord. Um, also, he says that it mu- it, it's, we're going to get into it in a minute, but it, that it must come from your heart. It's, it's conditioned upon obedience to the Lord. So, so uh, it's not that I'm doing this begrudgingly. I'm doing this as to the Lord with my whole heart. I think it's Colossians says, uh, whatever you do, work, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. That's what we're doing. As to the Lord. Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus went to the cross in His obedience to His Father to buy our redemption. And this is the reason that we can be obedient. Because the Lord was. It's unto the Lord. The Lord often deals with uh, the heart, not just with the outward person. He's not just wanting uh, you to do the things. He's wanting you to desire to do the things. I don't just want you to take out the trash. I want you to willingly take out the trash. 
You might ask, is there ever a time to disobey your parents? Is there? Yes, of course. Um, here's a couple of times. If you, um, if you, if they ask you to do something against the Lord. So when, when uh, I believe it was Peter said, are we to obey God or, or man? There's a time where if someone, even your parents, is asking you to sin or to go against the Lord, you can then, in good conscience, disobey your parents. Secondly, here's the other thing. One, one more thing is um, when you become an adult, all right, you can, you can, you no longer have to fulfill this command. He says, "Children, obey your parents." So, whenever you're no longer a child. You no longer have to obey everything that your parents tell you to do, okay? Um, but I would also maybe include this. Um, whenever you leave the house, all right? I think if you're like 30 still living with mom, you should probably still do what she tells you to do, okay? Um, but this is to children, obey your parents. Now the reason being is because sometimes you're going to be led to do something as an adult that your parents don't necessarily want you to do. Maybe God's calling you to move out of state and mom's like, don't do that, baby. I want you to stay here with me forever. Come on. It's like sometimes you can, you can, you can go and disobey your mama to go and do what God's calling you to do. Or maybe God's calling you to missions or a mission trip and uh, it's going to send you overseas and it's dangerous and all of those things. There are several believing parents who have tried to talk their children out of going on mission for God because it's dangerous. And there's sometimes where you can disobey mom and dad and still be in the will of the Lord. But ultimately, our posture as children, if you're a child in here, which there's not many, <laughs> but I think what this is going to show parents who are more in the room um, is that it's okay to require obedience. If God commands it, you can require it as a parent, and we'll get into that in just a minute. All right. So it's the right thing to do. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. We're doing it for God, and this is the right thing to do. Uh, second verse is honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So uh, honor... Now, so we obey because uh, it's the right thing to do, but we also obey because it's the rewarding thing to do. He says that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. But he moves from obedience to honor. See? If obedience is the, the action, then honor is the attitude. Um, honor is attitude. We don't want to be like the little boy, maybe the little boy who misbehaved and the teacher said, go sit in the corner. And uh, he begrudgingly oh, was obedient to her. And he sat there and said to himself, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. You don't want to be like that. That's not what he's asking for. He's asking for honor. This is the attitude. Honor your father and your mother. Some of you didn't have good parents. 
See, this is, this is a command that outlasts your childhood. When you get old, when you, when you become an adult, you don't necessarily have to uh, obey everything your parents say, but throughout your entire life, we are all called to honor our parents. But you might not have had good parents. You might have had terrible parents. Um, honor is not predicated on their behavior it's not um, predicated on their uh, like worthiness to be honored. We honor, it's a choice. We honor because the Lord commands it. And because the word honor here means value. It means weight. It, it, what it means is that you have an attitude towards somebody that they have value. Um, so, and we all have value as human beings. That's why the Bible, we're not really getting into it today, but the Bible teaches that uh, you should honor above you, those who are over you, honor below you, those who you know, work under you, honor side, your peers. Like Honor is to go all directions. Because what honor is saying is that you have value because you're created in the image of God. And because you are created in the image of God, you have intrinsic value. And therefore, I can honor you. That there's weight to you. Where does this uh, verse come from? Honor um, your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Well, we see this in uh, the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, it's actually the first of the Ten Commandments that has a promise. Where it says in Exodus 20.12, Honor your father and your mother that the days that your days may be long in the land and uh, that the Lord your God is giving you. Another uh, record of that is in Deuteronomy 5.16 where it says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commands you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that lo the Lord your God is giving you. Do you want to live a long and fulfilling life? He says, uh, honor your father and your mother. Listen to the wisdom of your parents. They're here to help you and guide you, even if you think sometimes they don't know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about. And if you honor them, you will live long. Children need to understand that no one loves you as much as your parents do, except the Lord, of course. Their love for you is exceedingly strong. Your parents will even sacrifice their lives for you to protect you. Isn't that right, parents? Your parents um, have taken care of you. They've washed your dirty clothes. They've provided a home for you to live in. They've given you food to eat. They, they've given you care. They've taken care of you when you're sick. You ever taken care of your child when it's sick? Like, Whenever they're really young, they can do some nasty stuff, right? And uh, if we just had a record of all those times, maybe kids, you'd, you'd honor and listen and obey your parents for what they went through for you. And um, <laughs> how will you live longer? Is that true? That you'll live longer? Because I think many of us, we, we know uh, people, we know so many children who have... Um, lost their lives at a very young age. So what, what happens if the child who, was that child not honoring to their parents? I, I don't think that's necessarily the, the deal. I think he is, 
giving more of a principle for life than he is 100% everyone that honors their parents is never going to die type of thing. Of course, we're all dying and are living in a broken world and all of that. What this is is a principle for life, okay? So, so kids, children, people, if you want to live long, honor your parents. So here's a couple of reasons um, why honoring your parents gives you a longer life. One is that if you honor and listen to your parents, they won't kill you, okay? That's just number one. If you, if, if you stay with them, if you do what they say, they're not going to kill you. Um, you know, actually in Deuteronomy, this is crazy, but in Deuteronomy, it says that if you have a rebellious son, you take him out before the, the authorities that be, and they go and stone them to death at, outside the city. And it's like, maybe that probably took care of the whole rebellious disobedience thing. And aren't you glad we uh, don't live under that anymore? Like most of us probably wouldn't have made it to second grade. And so when I was taught the Ten Commandments, one of the things... Uh, Brother Bear would say, I guess it wasn't when I was taught it, but when Brother Bear would teach the Ten Commandments, he'd say, it's the Fifth Commandment, it is. The Fifth Commandment, you know why? Because that reminds you, you know, if you, if you obey, you won't get one of these. You know, whop. And uh, so that's one way to remember it's the Fifth Commandment. So first thing is that your, your parents will not kill you. Um, here's another way honoring your parents gives you a long life. Parents warn you about harm's way. Listen to mom and dad. They, they keep you out of harm's way. Hey, don't touch that. It's hot. Don't uh, look both ways before you cross the street. Don't, don't grab that snake. Mom and dad, they uh, buckle your seatbelt. They look out for you. They keep you from harm's way. Here's another way. They help you develop healthy habits and good character. Listen to your parents. Honor your parents because they can, they can help you learn to be honest and to tell the truth and to work hard and to respect authority. And if you listen to your parents and honor your parents, then you will gain some habits and build character in you that will uh, produce a more fulfilling life for the rest of your life. There's probably many other reasons we could give. But the idea is, is that it's the best for you to honor your parents. I think about my grandmother. She's like 87 years old and, um, and still kicking, and it's great. And I just think, and then her mother was like, she, man, she died in her mid-90s. But um, that was my great-grandmother. I was like, man, you must have really been an honoring family. I mean, y'all live really long and... and uh, Maybe. So here's some conclusions to children. God wants children to obey the parents because parents are wiser and more experienced than you and because God wants you um, to be raised in a godly way. I don't know how many in, in youth ministry talking to kids, trying to counsel them. They're wanting to make a stupid decision. and Well, God told me, but mom and dad aren't quite on board. and I don't know if God told you to do that. It seems a pretty stupid thing to do. And um, I think there's, there's, a, there's an age, I know I lived through it, there's an age where you think that mom and dad don't know anything. But I think we'd be wise to say, to, if the word honor is weight or value, to put more weight into your parents' advice than you usually do. Like maybe they know a little more than you. 
And uh, I'm at the stage of life where I'm like, man, I want to know what mom and dad have to say about this. Because once you've lived any time as an adult on your own, you realize, man, life is hard, and you have to learn a lot of hard lessons. And it's good to talk to somebody who's already gone through it and to learn something, put some more weight into your parents' advice. Um, here's one thing. If children are rebellious at home, they'll typically uh, turn out to be rebellious in society. If you do not learn that there are consistent rights and wrongs in the home, then you will not value the laws in our society. If you learn to be disobedient and disrespectful to your parents, then you will be disrespectful and disobedient in society. Often the results of such unruly and unwise behaviors leads to jail, financial problems, marital problems, and other difficulties. Man, man you're teaching your kids something whenever they're in your house. And what you're teaching them is not just about their relationship with you. Because one day they're going to be under a boss. And they're going to behave a certain way under that authority. One day they're going to get stopped by a police officer. And they're going to choose to behave a certain way. And, and, and the, their natural inclination and response to authorities in society are a result of how the authority structure was enforced in your home. It's under the parents where uh, children learn respect and honor and trustworthiness, develop a work ethic. It's uh, under the parents where children are supposed to be trained to become good members of society. Man, we're so concerned with our parent, our children uh, being our friends and liking us. And it's like the goal of parenting is not to have friends. The goal of parenting is to raise champions for Christ and great members of society, people who bless the world around them. It is under the parents where children learn that there is an authority over them their parents and the authority reflects the ultimately authority over, uh, that God exercises over us. Again, um, your, your children are going to learn to view God a certain way by how you relate to them. How you treat them, how you love them, how you train them, how you discipline them. They're learning things about the Lord. And one day they're going to view God the way that they view you. This is why God tells us to obey our parents. It's because God loves you and He desires your well-being. So, children, the call is clear. Whether you agree with it, whether you don't, whether you live in a perfect home or not, you're called to obey your parents and honor your parents. All right, second thing is this, fathers, uh, build up your children. Man, I might have to stop right there where it's almost knockout time. Fathers, build up your children. Uh, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, discipline your children. Now, um, these commands can be more broadly uh, received and applied to parents, moms and dads. I think what he's pointing out here, again, is he's drilling down on the point that 
the husband, the father, is responsible. So it's not saying that the father is the only one doing these things, or that this only applies to fathers, but the reality is that, dads, you're going to be held accountable for the upbringing of your children. He says, uh, build up. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's a wrong approach. Do not provoke your children to anger. Your children to anger. Um, so there's a wrong approach to parenting. There's different ways to provoke your children to anger. You can provoke your children to anger by showing favoritism to your children. Let's try not to do that. By being overprotective, helicopter mom, helicopter dad, that can provoke them to anger. Overcritical, neglectful, verbally abusive, or even physically abusive. All of these are ways that we are provoking our children to anger. Here's a couple more in detail. Uh, unreasonableness is common in your house. Unreasonableness. Some parents uh, ask things beyond their child's capability. Or, or you load your child so full of demands that frustration is inevitable. You put too much on them. I, maybe sometimes even whenever you sign your kid up for every extracurricular activity that is available, are you provoking your children to anger? Is it not eventually going to wear them down so much that they're just frustrated and burnt out? So here's the thing. Some of you over-discipline your children because they embarrass you. This is something that I have to constantly check as, as a parent. My motives for discipline. My motives for discipline. Am I disciplining my child because they've rebelled? Or am I disciplining my child because she's embarrassed me? And some of your discipline is strictly based on I have a reputation and you've brought shame to my name and you've embarrassed me in public and you're overly harsh because your kids are just being kids. They're embarrassing. Others of you though, others of you, you like have no shame in public. Alright, so you bring your kids to breakfast at the Cracker Barrel and they are losing their minds. And they are screaming their heads off. Everybody in the restaurant is looking at you. And you're just sitting there eating your biscuits and gravy without a care in the world. And you don't do anything. Yeah, that's not good either. It's, it's this, we, live in the, we have these extremes of over-discipline or under-discipline and there needs to be a balance. You need, some of you need to discipline your children. So uncom, unreasonableness is uh, common. You're unreasonable. Um, inconsistency. You're not consistent. So your kids are thinking, well, I got in trouble for that this time, but I, I didn't get in trouble for it last time. Like, is this, is this wrong or not? I got in trouble for that, but my sister, she didn't get in trouble for that. She did the same thing. What's going on here? That can bring uh, frustration. 
So here's just a simple tip for parenting. Simple tip for parenting. Um, create some clear, simple rules for the house. Communicate them. Make sure they're simple. Make sure they're few. Make sure they're clear. I'll give you a starting place today. Here's, here's, here's a great three great rules for your house. Um, no lying. No lying. We don't tell lies, okay? You might do something. If you lie about it, it's worse for you. Man, that was like a cardinal sin in my house growing up. It was like, it doesn't matter what you did. If you lied about it, it's ten times worse for you now. Um, I could have forgiven the thing that you did, but now that you lied about it, oh boy. Um, here's, here's one. No fighting with your siblings. All right? We can have fun. We can wrestle. We can do all, but we're not going to be fighting. And We had this saying, you ever had to write lines? Did you write lines going up? No? No lines? Okay. That's the problem with you. Write lines. We <laughs> It shows. <laughs> I need to have you on my team writing stuff for me. Yeah, it shows. The, so, writing lines. We wrote this line growing up. It was, uh, we do not hurt one another with unkind words or deeds. Okay? And I grew up in a house where there was eight of us. Eight siblings. Seven siblings. So, there's eight of us all together. I had four, uh, there's four boys, four girls. And so, there was a lot of rough housing. But if it got to the place where you were trying to harm, fight, hurt with unkind words or deeds, you crossed the line. No fighting. And here's the last thing. No talking back to mom and dad. Okay? No talking back to mom and dad. And again, we're, we're learning this honor. We're learning this respect thing. You can say a lot of things, but if you say something to mama, boy, did you get yourself in some hot water. Okay? So here's some things. Here's some rules. If you just want to start with those three, just put those three all over your house. Here they are. No lying, no fighting with your siblings, and, uh, and no talking back to mom and dad. And that is a great starting place to build some character in your children. But you need to have consistency. And I know as parents, you're faced with the reality of your humanity and your inconsistency. But uh, here we are called. Let's try to be as consistent as we can. So, there are some things that you can do. Do not provoke your children to anger. There's a responsibility on your behalf to not force, like, push them to, uh, to rebellion yourself. So... There it is, the wrong approach and then the right approach. Verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. Bring them up. This word means to nourish or feed. We saw uh, this same type of word in Ephesians 5.29 where it says, uh, For no one has ever hated his flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Talking about how the husband loves the wife. That you nourish it and cherish it. Um, This is the idea of dads, you are called to be tender with your children. Be affectionate with your children. They should be able to come to you and climb on your lap and give you a hug. That they should feel nourished and cherished by you. We are building them up in the Lord. But then he goes on to say, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline. Boy, oh boy. Do we not like discipline. This is like a dirty word in the parenting world today, isn't it? Discipline. Do you know that this word discipline means even as punishment. 
For us in our society, we try to remove the word discipline from any negative connotations like punishment, but the same word is used in Luke 23, 16, where Pilate uh, is bringing punishment on Jesus. It says, I will therefore punish and release him. Do you know what his punishment was? He was beaten within an inch of his life. This is the word discipline. Discipline, don't, well, don't, I'm not saying beat your kids within an inch of the, do not take that from it. Um, but the idea is that discipline is healthy in the life of your children. I'm about to step out on a skinny branch. But, uh, but, but, but here's the reality. Look, we, there's, there's, in the parenting world, you know, I've read parenting books and seminars and all that kind of stuff. In the parenting world, like the idea, and now in some states, it's, it's like even illegal to physically discipline your children. And we've tried to do gymnastics with Scripture and say, well, it doesn't really mean that. This is, it means, it, doesn't, it, it means just ask your children how they're feeling. How do you feel about what you did, little Johnny? And that's not bad. You can ask them. You can have conversations with them. But the reality is that discipline in your children's life, uh, there is a physical element to it. Maybe you know the, the verse that says, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. I actually couldn't find that verse in the Bible. There was one that was a little bit um, harsher than that, though. And this is probably where it comes from. Proverbs tw- uh, thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. So God's trying to teach us something about discipline and that there's a physical element of discipline that is necessary if you want your child to grow up to be a healthy individual. Spare the rod. You hate your son because you're not doing what's best for them. Um, Now, I've tried, looked up the word rod just because I just want to, want to make sure this isn't like, oh, this is just a metaphor. This is just a metaphor for disciplining children. But actually the word rod, it actually means what you would think of when you think of a rod. You ever had to go pick your switch? Right? <laughs> this is the idea. Okay? Spare the rod, you hate your child. A verse, Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. It's bound up in there, this folly. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Some of you are going to like write that. Like that's going to be on your wall when you get home. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 23.13 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. I I think he's saying a couple things here. One, those of you who are afraid to spank, you're not going to hurt, you're not going to kill your child if you spank your child. I think he's also saying, don't spank your child to where you can injure him. This isn't supposed to injure or kill. He will not die, but you should also not be afraid to do it. <laughs> just in case you're like, man, this isn't just like a one-off verse that we've built a doctrine around in the Christian faith. This is like everywhere. Proverbs 23, 14, if you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, which is hell. Strike him with a rod, you'll save his soul from hell. Like there's something to discipline. 
physical discipline, spanking, that does something to the soul of your child that teaches them something. Like there's some stuff that you're going to learn by a spanking that you're not going to learn anywhere else. Hebrews 12, 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So I don't want to do a couple things. I don't want to empower people who are abusive. That's an extreme. You're taking it too far. Um, it's not saying hit your, beat your children. It's not saying abuse your children. It's not giving you rights to do anything to injure your children. But then also the people who are like refuse any physical discipline as it is evil. This is something that is commanded by the Lord. Maybe he knows something about upbringing children that you don't know. And here's what's difficult as a parent. I've struggled with this. Here's what's difficult as a parent if you ever have to spank your child. You hate to do it. You hate to do it. It is the most difficult thing you ever have to do is discipline your child in that way. And I think some of us have coddled our own emotions because it's difficult to do that we have sacrificed our child's upbringing on behalf of this. Hebrews is so relatable. Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. When I got disciplined as a child, my dad would always... Um, Again, I want to be clear. Uh, spanking on the behind is what he, I believe is what he's talking about. The Lord gave uh, us this wonderful spot of fatty tissue <laughs> on your behind that it hurts when you hit it, but it doesn't injure you or leave any marks. Okay, <laughs> So it is a place where you can be physically disciplined, yet go on with your life. And it's almost better for your child. It's like if you have a, a two-year-old that's losing their mind, the worst thing you can do for them is put them in a room alone and say, sit there. Like that is the worst thing you can ever do. You spank them, they cry for one second, and then they're right back to playing, aren't they? But they learned the lesson. It's a, it's a gift from God, I believe. Anyways, my dad, after discipline, he would, he would hold me in his lap and he would say, I love you. I didn't want to do that. You know, you make it clear why you got this, you, this discipline. I love you. And of course, I'm like, I don't know, you don't love me, you don't love me. Because what he says here, in the moment, no discipline, it's painful rather than pleasant. Like there's a moment where it's very difficult. But um, I'm so glad he did that with me because looking back, I can always relate. And any of those times of discipline, uh, there was no anger involved. There was no wrath involved. It was, it was discipline because of to correct a behavior or an attitude. It was discipline, but I want you to know I love you. And uh, that's what it says here. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you've been trained by this discipline, it doesn't feel good at the time, but it does something in you. And the Lord does this to us. He disciplines us. He disciplines us. Sometimes you feel like you've gotten a spanking from the Lord. Have you ever gotten that before? It's like, I feel like I just got whooped by the Lord. And, uh, 
And it doesn't ever feel good whenever you're going through the discipline of the Lord, but he's doing something in you. He's teaching you. He's training you. So discipline and instruction. Instruction is verbal. Uh, This is verbal instruction. Um, Is the idea here. Verbal uh, education type of thing. Um, And so what he's saying here is uh, that, that parents, specifically fathers, uh, you're responsible for training your children. You're responsible for the education of your children. You're to be involved in what are they learning, what's being taught to them. Uh, you're responsible for the uh, biblical training of your children. Now again, I'm not saying moms can't do this, but dads are the ones who are making sure this is happening. Biblical education. Um, I think Jared, Jared is doing children's ministry today, and uh, we were talking about this before. And, um, and uh, as helpful as youth ministry and, and kids' ministry and everything are, and we, we're teaching your kids on their level so that they can learn about Jesus, um, one of the side effects of that can be, it's not always, but can be to where parents... Uh, act like um, outsource the biblical training of their children to the church. And they, they're like, that's not my job. I don't know what I'm doing. That's, um, I'm going to give that to the children's pastor. I'm going to give that to the youth pastor. And that's not what these ministries are designed for. These are supplemental ministries. We get them once a week. We're not, we're not going to be the biggest spiritual influence in the lives of your children. You are. And so we get them once a week, we're going to supplement, but the reality is that you are charged with training your children in your home, and you're going to be held responsible for it. Um, Reading the Bible to them, praying with them, bringing them to church. Uh, So uh, we got this Bible uh, at home. This is like beautiful. Uh, We got this Bible whenever... Uh, a little when Rory got a little older, I guess, um, recently. I think we just got this this year, actually. Anyways, um, so we tried reading, you know, different chapters of the Bible, and she would be like slapping the Bible and stuff. So we got a kid's Bible. And this is a Jesus storybook Bible. This is the larger version, just to have good pictures and stuff. This thing is amazing. Isn't this cool? And... Um, I mean, I'm learning a lot just by reading through this. This is our third time through this Bible uh, this year. And every night what we do is we sit down, and uh, so we've eaten dinner, taken the bath, all that kind of stuff. We kind of have this, this uh, bedtime routine. I call it uh, bread, bath, Bible, bed. You know, all bees, bread, bath, Bible, bed. We're going to eat. Uh, we're going to take a bath. We're going to read the Bible, and then we're going to go to bed. And uh, so that's what we do. So after a bath, we'll get out this, and we ha- it has a ribbon in it, so you can keep your place. And... Um, Man, I don't think it takes more than three minutes, five minutes. It's just a couple of pages um, for one story. And, uh, and you get the Bible in them every day. Now, th- now, if you go and buy this Bible, this is not a Bible Bible. This is not a, a translation. This is a paraphrase. This Bible actually takes all the stories of the Bible and points it to Jesus. So every Old Testament story that it talks about, it's, it's, there's this hint of we're looking forward to this rescuer. We're looking forward to this promise. We're looking forward to the Son. And then Jesus comes and everything and then the life of Jesus. So this is a beautifully written and illustrated 
children's Bible. If you have young children, I would recommend this one highly, the Jesus Storybook Bible. But you need to have something that you're doing regularly. Like we're going to get in God's Word regularly. And as they get older, it's going to move from a children's Bible to a study Bible maybe. Maybe you're actually reading a chapter of the Bible a night with them. I'll let you know when I get there. But the reality is that you're responsible for the upbringing of your children in the Lord. And pray for them. Pray for them. I also wanted to leave you uh, with these prayers. Here's four prayers that I pray for uh, Rory every night. Um, I've, I've prayed these in these baby dedications. Maybe you've heard me pray. You're like, man, he's praying a similar prayer. Yeah, it's because I'm intentional about these prayers that I'm praying. Like pray scripture over your children. Right? God's, God says that he, he looks out to, to guard His Word and to fulfill it. And so, hey, let's pray Scriptures over our children. And so here's four prayers that I like to pray over Rory every day. And uh, you can take them if you want. Uh, find your own if you need. Go get some Scripture and pray it over your child. Uh, one, I pray for wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. You know, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, uh, it says that about Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom, and in stature, so he grew physically, and in favor with God and with man. So this is like this mental, spiritual, physical, social growth that happens. That's why I pray for that over her every night. Uh, pray that they fear God. Fear God. Why? Psalm 34, 11 says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I want to teach you the fear of the Lord. God, would you teach him the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. At the beginning of wisdom, like the fear of the Lord is where it starts and we need to, God, would you teach him the fear of the Lord? I pray for divine favor. Psalm 5.12 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as a shield. I want my child to be favored in the world. When she, I want her to be the favored student. I want her to be the favored uh, uh, person who's being uh, interviewed at a job employment opportunity. I want her to be favored in the world. I want her to be favored in her marriage. I want her to have favor wherever she goes. So I pray, Lord, would you cover her with a shield of your favor? And I pray, lastly, I pray for godly friends. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron as one man another. God, would you bring godly friends into her life to strike iron with her? Proverbs uh, 13, 20 says, Who, If you walk with the wise, you become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Let me tell you this. Um, uh, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So um, you're going to become like the people who you hang out with. So uh, parents, hey, you're responsible for the people you let hang out with your kids. Some of you give your kids like way too much freedom in who they're choosing to spend most of their time with. Like, that's going to shape them in ways greater than I think you're counting. If you walk with wise, you become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So God, would you bring godly friends into her life? to help her strike iron with and shape her and mold her and, and lead her to do great things and follow you? Would you allow her to be a godly friend to others? Those are the four things. Wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. And the rest are all F's. 
Would you fear of the Lord, favor, and friends? Fear, favor, friends. All right, that's what I pray for my child. You pray for your child. Um, but fathers, um, here's the idea. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers are to guard your children, protect them, nourish them. You're going to be held responsible for how they're raised, that they might honor the Lord Jesus in their adulthood, that they may be good husbands and wives, showing otherwise respectful love, patience, and example of what it means to be Christ. So not only train them, but example for them um, uh, in the home. And uh, I, I think I've heard a lot of complaints about our generation. I am in, a, in the millennial generation. Now there's another generation a, a below me, Generation Z. They're in their 20s, okay? So um, now I can blame everything on a generation below me. But, um, you know, we have all these things that we complain about, this generation, this generation. Let me tell you, uh, it, the generation that you, we live in says more about the parents than it does about the children, okay? Um, they became adults because of how they were raised. Now, I'm not putting all responsibility on parents for how your ch children turn out. But uh, let me tell you, if we have a whole generation of kids, of, of young adults who are doing crazy things in the world, they don't know how to respect authority. They don't know how to fear the Lord. They don't know how to be kind and a good citizen. If we have a whole generation of young people who are doing that, we've got to look at the generation before them and say, what did you do? And uh, let that not be true of us any longer. And uh, again, I'm not blaming your kids, everything on you for your kids. I would not want that on me. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're like ruining your kids sometimes? Let me just tell you, you ever feel like you're just messing them up? Man, I just hope I get them out alive. Let me just, there's grace. I'm, I'm just comforted by, you know, God says that there's new mercies every day. Every morning there's new mercies. And he's like, look, I get it. You're just human. You're trying to figure it out. You're doing your best. That's okay. There's new mercies for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's better days for you. But, um, but your kids are also going to see God the way they see you. And so how are you modeling an example for them? Are they going to see God as being absent and distant and cold and harsh? Or are you there for your children, always there with open arms, encouraging, helping them be responsible, doing what's right even when it's difficult? And if you're a single mother in the room or watching online, I'm sorry, I mean, this whole responsibility has fallen on you. And if you are a single mother, you know what it's like. It feels like you're playing mom and dad all the time. And, uh, and, and you will be responsible for that. And if there's anything we can do to help support you, that's part of our role as a church. But um, look, children, obey your parents. Children of God, let us obey the Lord and honor the Lord and honor your parents. And hey, grown children, if uh, you dishonor your, your parents when you neglect them and ignore them, I mean, maybe you need to call your parents today and uh, just tell them that you love them and that you appreciate them. And, um, and then parents, man, we're responsible for our kids. We can't ignore the biblical mandate to discipline our kids. Do not abuse your children. If you are being overly harsh with your children, cut it out. Cut it out. That is not of the Lord. 
But um, there's a healthy place of discipline and instruction. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, your word and that you make clear what is unclear in our world. Lord, I thank you that we can go to your word and be um, confident of your truth. And I pray that our time in your word would would help us who are parents um, to feel better equipped of our responsibilities in the home. And I pray for all of us as children of God, Lord, that we would be obedient and honoring to you. That we'd be quick to obey and listen to your spirit. Lord, I pray for um, a building up of healthy families as a result of our time in your word. That you would strengthen marriages, that you would strengthen families. God, I pray that, that we would take responsibility and, and raise up a generation who's champions for Christ. I pray that our kids would be people who go out into the world and storm hell with a water pistol. I pray that our kids would make a difference for the kingdom of God. That we're not just raising good adults, but we're raising people who love and know and treasure and fear and serve the Lord. So God, help us as we're faced with the reality of our failure. Would you give mercy to those who need mercy this morning? And I pray that you would encourage us that there's better days ahead. I pray that your word would not return void, but accomplish the purposes for which it is sent. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next week.